Hi there, welcome to the More Simple Podcast. This is a podcast for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them. I am Mo, and I am your host, ready to spark your curiosity as I take you on this adventurous ride of exploring cultures through the stories of my guests from all over the world. On this show, we get really personal, discussing salient issues that are relevant to our contemporary age and also building community around them as our guests exercise courage and vulnerability in sharing their life's experiences we hope that in turn you are inspired by them and that you get the courage needed to set your own stories free enjoy the ride and thank you so much for listening morning everybody welcome back to the podcast this is mo today i have a dynamic speaker who's had a love experience and he describes himself as a global citizen he is nigerian american texan for about two decades and he's very passionate about projects portfolio management knowledge management as we come to now and he's had experience in those areas for more than 20 years he's fun engaging and he's also an author of a couple of books and he also describes himself as a relational bridge builder. He has co-hosted the radio TV show in Austin called Arise. He is an adjunct professor at Park University and ITT Technical Institute, both in Austin, Texas. And he serves in several national and global boards, committees, and project panels. He's a runner who lives in Austin with his wife, Precious, and two teenage daughters, Ben and Amara. Um, everyone, join me welcoming Dr. Benjamin Ayacho to the podcast. Good morning, sir. Thank you so much. Uh, it's my pleasure joining your show. More. Thank you. And I want to give special thanks to um, one of our parents here in, in, in the US, um, Mrs. Dr. Philippa Adebo. She introduced us. So, just, this is just like a thank you to her for the introduction. All right, um, Dr. Ayacho, let's just start with the very beginning. Um, you identify yourself as a Nigerian-American Texas Texan. It's I've not heard anyone quite use that definition before. How did that come to be? And maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, I was originally born in Nigeria. I never knew in a million years that I would be a Texan. I uh, 20, 10 years before I came here, I believed that I, I was going to be a missionary somewhere in the world. And uh, when I got the visa to come here, I had a green card, uh, 99. When I arrived here, it became very clear that this is the place I am supposed to be a missionary. So I have done a lot of things since that time. And uh, my love for Texas and love for the nation had increased over the years. Uh, my passion for uh, transformation, uh, my tra- passion for unity, uh, bringing people together for uh, awakening, uh, spiritual awakening and um, uh, for the betterment of humanity has uh, advanced over the years. I've brought several stakeholders to the table. In Austin here, I was able to bring elected officials, uh, faith community uh, leaders, compassion uh, uh, leaders and uh, the leaders of industry together to build synergy, work together for several years. A lot of uh, partnership and great organizations and projects we are birthed through that. 
So that has been my passion. I love Texas and uh, I'm a Nigerian too. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I proudly call myself, uh, I wasn't born here, but I came here as quickly as I could. Yes, that's a Texan level. Um, yeah, <laughs> I love Texas. As you might know, I lived there for five to six years and I sorely miss that place. There's no place quite like it. And I like how you, you differentiate your Americanness with a Texan. That's the way to be. Because Texas is like a whole different country. All right. Um, <laughs> well, very, very honored to have you on the show. You just authored a book called The Knowledge Cafe. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Especially what piques your interest in the world of knowledge sharing? What exactly is The Knowledge Cafe? Thank you so much. In fact, you, you the first question was uh, what piqued my interest. My father... Isaiah Anyacho was a carpenter and a very spiritual man with strong leadership skills. My mother still tells me about his shrewd knowledge and wisdom around 50 years after his passing. He passed when I was a, a baby. In fact, his carpentry was not the most sophisticated, but all his work have a remarkable, unique signature. A witness in every door or chair crafted by his capable hands. And uh, this his piece stirred my imagination and curiosity for knowledge transfer. One of my greatest regrets was not having the opportunity to cross-fertilize ideas, learn, share knowledge, exchange knowledge with my father because I was a baby when he passed. And um, like everyone on earth, my father did not have control over his death, but definitely uh, he had control over his knowledge. So grasping, grasping this awareness inspired me to make knowledge exchange and transfer one of the ethos of my career, driving force. And I have been working on air since I came to this realization. So I have set my face like a flint uh, to share all knowledge I have. And I believe knowledge is useless if it is not shared or exchanged. That was what uh, drove me to knowledge management. Back now to knowledge management, uh, I mean to, to uh, knowledge cafe. Yes. Knowledge cafe Knowledge Cafe, look at the name. The name is Knowledge and Cafe, just as simple as it is. In fact, um, when I ask people, like I speak around the country, I ask people, why do people go to the cafe? They say to learn for coffee. Somebody said to pay for an overpriced coffee, uh, for to get caffeinated, okay? Uh, to get information, share knowledge, uh, uh, catch up on your emails, uh, walk away from boredom of home or office to connect with people a free space some people say free internet and so on and so forth so knowledge cafe bringing knowledge into cafe is uh, is an exchange attitude for learning where reflective and generative dialogue and discourse are covenanted uh, debates and diatribe are intentionally outside the grand rule in fact um, in knowledge cafe you people who have similar ideas friends even enemies can exchange knowledge you can see how how toxic our culture is today where everybody's talking at each other the concept of knowledge cafe is bring everyone at the cafe you know you can go to a restaurant you can sit on the floor but you can go to the cafe and sit on the floor it's okay so it gives people that flexibility to unleash their intellectual power all of us, so every, I've met many people who told me, Ben, I don't have anything to share. It's not true. If you have ever done something, you have something to share. But it's a travesty for us to go to our grave without sharing knowledge. 
Even the greatest innovation will never happen in a cubicle or in an office. It happens at the intersection of connected mind. So within the work framework, workforce or workspace or family space or board space, the Knowledge Cafe is that space where we exchange knowledge, rejuvenate, where we bring our crazy ideas for other caffeinated individuals to test them out. Okay, I mean, I I do understand that concept because I know that in the actual sense, the actual spaces like locations where people gather together to exchange ideas, build communities, um, connect with people, gain better understanding of complex issues. Now, how do you distill all of that, given that these are events that take place in actual locations? How does that translate into a book? Okay, thank you very much. Yeah. How it translates into a book is I work in a, a state agency and I, a, one of the biggest uh, state agencies in Texas. I'm a project manager. I call myself a quintessential project manager. I manage complexities and the managing project, it means interfacing with different stakeholders and uh, resources, uh, 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 coordinating, integrating processes and resources to achieve the desired objective of the project. But many times we run into roadblocks. Roadblocks because some people have information that you need or have knowledge you need to to, uh, uh, complete your project. And in in public sector spaces, you have uh, silos here and there. People and machines, oftentimes, maybe whether in private or public sector, machines talk at each other and not to each other. And people talk at each other rather than to each other. It means there is a missing link. There needs to be a fluidity. There needs to be, people need to talk to each other. You need to, one of the surveys by Gartner said that we, you and I, in our work, we get 50 to 75% of knowledge, information we need to do our work from somebody else. Imagine when there are silos here and there. So you need to get that information from people to do your job. So when the knowledge velocity is slowed down, it hampers the efficiency in an organization and it costs billions of dollars. I can I can go to I can I can talk on this subject forever. Why it is in the book? Knowledge Cafe is a technique for managing this knowledge. By 2029 or 2030, 76 million baby boomers will walk out of our workplace. And the millennials According to National Education Board, it says that by we job hop 20 times throughout their careers. What that means is that knowledge, you train somebody as a project manager, I lead teams, I train them today, and then for the first time in my lifetime, five generations are in the same workplace. Five generations. And they learn differently. In my book, you see my daughter, she shared, she's 14 years old, she shared how her generation exchange knowledge different from the way baby boomers and my generation share and exchange knowledge so in the knowledge cafe brings simplicity in exchange of knowledge because there are so many ways you can exchange knowledge through training and development association planning uh, job ads um, uh, information management is also a way to uh, share knowledge things like uh, 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 communities of practice, lessons learned. There are so many ways. So Knowledge Cafe comes in between to make it simple for people to 
an inroad into knowledge management because just like you manage project, you manage knowledge. Because if you don't manage knowledge, it doesn't thrive until it is managed. So this is a technique. It is a formal technique. I did not create knowledge cafe. What I did was to advance it and bring it into prominence. David Gautin in United Kingdom was the person that coined the word knowledge cafe about 2004. But throughout my life as a, as a, a deal bro broker, as a consensus builder, as a bridge builder, relational build builder, I see knowledge cafe as a tool to engage diverse people to think critically on any subject and provide solution in the process so that uh, uh, process is improved. All right. Thank you, sir. Um, that was very, very rich. And I just to recap what you said, I definitely agree with you that knowledge is useless until you share it. And you can learn from anybody, even those you don't agree with. And I think that given the world we're living in where everyone is, well, not everyone, but there's this sentiment of, you know, people don't want to talk because they don't want to get cancelled or they don't want to, you know, risk offending somebody. We need to bring back the good old days of just having, like, conversations, even around very, you know, tough topics. So um, I do um, definitely relate with that. And I also love to acquire knowledge. I, I love sharing information and sharing resources. So my next question would be, would be this. We've had, you know, a change in our life, everyone, when COVID hit us last year. And so a lot of in-person gatherings had to be, you know, pushed aside, to the, pushed aside in the meantime. But let's just assume for the sake of, um, you know, for this talk, like, what, how, how would you say, uh, what makes, rather, what makes Knowledge Cafe different from other forms of meetings, like brainstorming sessions and conferences? And would you say these forms of meetings are still necessary? Of course, definitely they are necessary. What this does is to pick something that is fragmented, put a structure around it. In a Knowledge Cafe, there is a grand rule. And you may ask why ground rule because if you don't have a ground rule people will make the rule as they go so in some meetings you also have ground rules so you may ask isn't knowledge cafe just another meeting brainstorming session networking flash mob meetup daily scrum stand up I, I don't think so uh to overcome this confusion an organization must build and espouse an ecosystem in which all work place stakeholders are invited everybody's not invited to every meeting but in a knowledge cafe all are invited to share their experience share their skills share their wisdom unreservedly in a knowledge cafe no idea is stupid no idea is dumb full disclosure i hate boring meetings unfortunately i spend most of my time 90 percent of my work time communicating a good chunk of them in meetings i even have meetings to plan for another meeting <laughs> <laughs> many meetings are often redundant and a waste of time especially when you have uh, a terrible meeting manager or host hello uh, <laughs> if you replace boring meeting with a cafe i am in so the cafe is not just another meeting or meetup uh, you meet up in a cafe to be caffeinated they think that in the cafe is only for people who are curious about learning some about learning something or rejuvenating that's the beauty of cafe it's not just another meeting. It's for people who are caffeinated with knowledge. As stated earlier, okay, it is an unstructured, a collaborative space to exchange, share, transfer, and renew knowledge. Uh, it has some attributes 
of other types of meeting uh, in my book I, I have a very big graph that it differentiates knowledge cafe from other kinds of meeting like uh traditional conferences and workshops and uh, a, a training formal training classroom setting scrum and stand-up meetings you can see the differences as clear as day and night it is a joyful thing that uh, even university, university has adopted my book, that even universities, conferences are pivoting to the cafe model. Uh, the, the knowledge has changed. The, the, in, knowledge, in knowledge cafe, there is a sense making. I'm coming to the cafe to make sense of what I know. And uh, I'm coming to the knowledge cafe to have a hard moment. You know, there are a hard moment that can only happen in a knowledge cafe if it is intentionally organized. There's a grand rule. There's a, it's a small group. People are broken down in small group, and um, um, uh, it's a knowledge management technique. All meetings are not knowledge management techniques, but knowledge cafe is one. And the audience are, are knowledge workers, uh, people who have common interests, you know, and um, a relationship with others. You you build relational capital in a knowledge cafe. It can be used for multiple settings. Okay. Um, questions are driven. It's question driven. All meetings are not question driven, but cafe is question driven. You come to the cafe to answer a question. You're not just coming there just to uh, waste your time. And the formal could be face to face or virtual. You have a facilitator, a host in a cafe, formal cafe, and um, location agreed by everyone. Everybody has an input in a cafe. But in a meeting, I call a meeting. I ask people to come to the meeting. It's my meeting. But in a cafe, if you and I are going to have a cafe, more it is our meeting. It's our cafe. You contribute equally, uh, okay? And there is this, the excitement level in a cafe is high because we are curious for something. We are, we 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 are caffeinated. We want to learn. We want to explore. We have crazy ideas. We want somebody to uh, shred. We are not afraid of feedback. So that's the difference. So Knowledge Cafe is designed as a tool for engaging people, for sharing knowledge, exchanging knowledge, so that people will rejuvenate in knowledge and uh, ground what they are thinking in their head. Wow. So from your explanation, it's safe to assume that rather than a meeting where it tends to be one, usually it tends to be one-sided where you have somebody just talking, talking, talking. The burden of making a knowledge cafe very successful lies on both the organizer and the attendees because it's very dynamic in that information is free-flowing, you know, from both ends, correct? Two-way, two-way. The difference between instruction, teaching, training, a knowledge cafe is knowledge. One is one dimensional. Knowledge yeah. is multi dimensional. Good. Good to know. And uh, we were talking about cafe cafe. Do we actually serve coffee? That's my only requirement. Do we serve coffee <laughs> during these meetings? The beauty of <laughs> knowledge cafe. And I want to pause and say to the audience that knowledge cafe is not just a space, it is a mindset. Now, look at it. Agile is not just a technique for managing projects. It is a mindset, a flexibility, simplicity mindset. Look at what it means. Look at the decorum involved in going to a traditional restaurant and compare it with the decorum involved in a going to a cafe. You can see the difference is clear. There is this one is a little casual. You have an input in this one. You can choose your latte. You can choose your your tea 
uh, cold or hot, with sugar or no sugar, you, you, your choice. So my contention here in Espousing Knowledge Cafe is people should be given the liberty to choose how to learn. I hate it when I have to be put in a pigeonhole in a box that people have to learn in certain ways. And I realize managing people of all five generations, I realize that they don't learn the same way. They cannot learn the same way. Give them the liberties. Cafe frees everyone so that they can learn their way, their style. If you and I want to go to a cafe, we choose the cafe that is closest to both of us. It is runs contrary to the traditional way of uh, doing cafe. And let me pause by saying, Peter Drucker, we all know Peter Drucker, the management guru. He said that organization needs, every organization needs two types of people, the bureaucrats and the lunatics. But the challenge is how do you get both of them work together. That is the greatest challenge even in American society today. You have the bureaucrats, you have the lunatics. Peter Drucker says that uh, you need the bureaucrats for administration, but you also need the lunatics for innovation. Innovation never comes from the bureaucrats who often yeah. try to chain the lunatics or force them out. So my cafe is lunatic and crazy idea friendly. The cafe enables those curious knowledge workers and learners with crazy ideas. To bring it on for other curious and caffeinated knowledge workers to test them out. It is a safe space and it is non-judgmental, provided you are there for knowledge. We're not saying people come to cafe to say some dumb, stupid things that are intended to offend people. Knowledge cafe, the difference is that it is for knowledge. And you cannot get understanding. Knowledge, understanding transcends knowledge. People said. I understand black people. No, you don't understand us. You just know about us. So you can only understand people when you engage them in a cafe setting. Look at them in the eyes. Spend time and listen to them. Don't judge them. Don't prejudge them. Listen to their silliness first before you you, you let them land. That's the space that is designed in a cafe. Yeah, listen to their full <laughs> listen to their full story. Now, um, in this system of knowledge sharing, how does one protect intellectual property, especially in the event that a shared knowledge is implemented by someone else? Yeah, I, I think that's a, an interesting question about uh, intellectual property. How do you protect your intellectual property? Uh, in the first place, I want to start by saying you are not sharing your intellectual property you are sharing your knowledge. Your knowledge is not your intellectual property. And the next question I will uh, pivot to say that what you think is intellectual property may not even have any sense till you have shared it. Because the greatest idea I have, I, I work in it is a, a division that is called strategic planning. And our role is to look for efficiency, how to make our organization operationally efficient. Sometimes they call us operational excellence. Uh, uh, coordinators. So, um, to make things efficient, you you need to th- you, 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 you need to understand. You need to bring your ideas. You, whatever you think is your greatest idea for people to look at it. I have I have stories upon stories where I thought, oh my God, nobody on earth has this idea. Uh, this is going to make me rich. You realize that when you share the idea with people. And you realize that it is not even a new idea. <laughs> you are watching. <laughs> it's nothing new under the sun. Even the Bible says that. 
Or in yeah. other way, in other ways, mine, like when I was writing this book, I had focus groups, several focus groups, and I was vulnerable. And in that focus group, it was, in, it was a knowledge cafe. I called it leadership cafe. I brought my ideas. I said, I give you the liberty to shred it. Oh my gosh. I remember a Georgetown professor friend who read my manuscript, the first manuscript after reading it. She said, Ben, listen, because I have this book is thoroughly researched. I have more than 30 page references. I researched many academic uh, uh, work, literature. And in writing this book, she told me, Ben, listen, we don't want to hear some of these old folks. Those ideas are old. Leave them behind. We need to hear you. So, you know, if you keep it to yourself, you want to sell your idea, you think it's going to change the world, you need to get feedback from people. I know somebody who told me, uh, uh, told me, uh, hey, you need to consider involving, get some, some people case studies, incorporate them. I didn't have that as original idea in writing the book. So I had to reach out to about 11 people from different culture who shared knowledge differently, uh, different age brackets or, or g- generations that I incorporated in the book. So so what you call uh, your invention, you don't want to share it. Keep it. Eventually, it may not materialize. It may become nothing. Nothing bugger. <laughs> so what you do is to bring your ideas to other similar people. I'm not saying you just have an invention idea. You just go to the YouTube or Facebook and announce it. But you got to actually start from somewhere, engage in a cafe. Sometimes cafe is with people, birds of the same feather that flock together. A cafe could be among people who believe you, people who share the same principles with you, people who agree with your ethics, people who are in the same mind frame with you to share their knowledge. Sharing, you cannot beat it. Thank you for that. I mean, I think it goes back to that first point she has said about how knowledge is useless unless it's shared. You still need a little bit of vulnerability to put your ideas out there and see how it vibes with your intended audience. Otherwise, you're just, you know, talking in a vacuum and how's that going to sound? Now, um, for someone that might be interested in maybe joining a knowledge cafe, how do they go about, you know, um, finding one or even participating in one? Well, to Knowledge Cafe, you can, my website, uh, to get the principle, the book outlined principles, how to, when to, where, everything around Knowledge Cafe, how you can use it. Even I use it in my family setting, in my board meetings, I lead board, boards, and uh, in, in workplace, in managing projects, and so on and so forth. You can use this principle in your meetings. Change your meeting. Don't call them meeting, call them a cafe. You will see a lot of a result, better result. So where to see me, I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, Benjamin Anyacho. My website is benjaminanyacho.com. I'm, a, I'm very big on LinkedIn, have tens of thousands of uh, LinkedIn followers, uh, friends. You can connect with me through those media medium. But the book is sold everywhere books are sold, especially in Amazon. It is sold everywhere. All right. And I'm, we're going to put all of that in the show notes. And um, finally, sir, this question I'd like to ask you is this, because you had said something about your 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 friend from Georgetown telling you to go, you know, with like you know, take out the old ways and let's hear from you. Now, this question just to really, you know, get your idea or even your thoughts regarding 
workplace changes, especially with uh, an influx of younger generation. Now we know that depending on the kind of organization, you can have up to three or four, you know, generational differences represented. So from the boomers to the Gen X to, you know, Gen Z or millennials. Now, considering this trend in the workplace among the younger generation, who will take up multiple jobs through the course of their careers and they tend to not be quite, you know, stable. What I mean stable, stability defined as they don't tend to like stick long enough to like say, I've been working here for 30 years compared to the older generation. What do you predict the future of knowledge sharing will be like in the coming years, given that most of younger ones may not undergo the traditional patterns of growing on a particular job and undergoing professional mentoring? Very beautiful question. Uh, that is actually why I'm shouting, because in the days ahead, many organizations are literally peeing their pants right now because of this massive exodus and the fluidity and velocity of knowledge and movement of knowledge from and transition. I call it knowledge risk. So um, that's what's going to happen because you can't stop people. Listen, you cannot force people to share their knowledge. What you do is to create the environment. That's what my book is all about. Create the environment where people feel safe. How can I share my knowledge to an enemy? And an Oriental man sent his kid to go learn carpentry. After six months, the carpenter returned the, the kid back to the father. The father said, what's the problem? Was he stealing? Bad habit? He said, no, you got a great kid, but he doesn't like me. If he doesn't like me, he cannot learn from me. So you got to create a space where the different generations can feel safe to share and exchange knowledge. But it doesn't exist in many organizations. It's a dog-eat-dog environment. So Knowledge Cafe says, passing, hey, guys, create an environment where people can freely share their knowledge and rewarded for sharing their knowledge. I agree with that. I think um, flexibility goes a long way, especially in um, bridging the differences we have. I know definitely in the workplace, we have people with different opinions, but I think that's that diversity of opinions is something that we haven't quite leveraged upon. But we just see them as stark differences that creates that further widening the divide between, you know, generations. So, so um, finally, finally, will be so you're an immigrant to this country. You've been here longer than I have. You've thrived in every sense of that word. What would you say has helped you thrive in, you know, um, your community as an immigrant or even like a transplant to Texas, for example? Thank you very much. One is I, I knew I, w- I have a mission. I pursued my mission. I pursued my dream. You know, people think that what makes you relevant is how much money you make. Huh, that's not, we should not be driven by money. Money is good, I tell you. It is good. But we should be driven by something beyond money. So when I came here, I knew I had a mission. But my greatest joy does not come when I get a raise. My greatest joy comes when I make an impact, when I change somebody. I receive, I can spend the next 30 minutes reading letters and emails, text messages from people I help. They pass their PMP certification. PMP is Professional Project Management Certification. I have more than 100 people have been passed through programs I develop, mentor people. The life you change. At, at 50, when I turned 50, I realized, gee, I am not 15, I'm 53. I realized that I couldn't change the world, but I can change one person. Some people are waiting to change the world. Just change one person. So when I came, that was what my driver, I said, let me make an impact. I became the president of Project Management Institute Austin, which is about 3,800 professionals, one of the largest in the world. I was, I used to be the vice president of, um, of um, marketing. I, I'm involved in several global national board. My driver, I want to make an impact. 
I in the church in every sphere I am. I've led board, I've led church groups, and uh, I, in everywhere volunteer. Volunteering is the key. So every major person I have in my life, I met them where I was given. I run a board of my apostolic bridge builder is my organization i have a board of 10 that board of 10 when i formed them i had millionaires in that board white black hispanic and every one of them i met them where i was volunteering so everybody knows what drive them there's something that trigger you have some a trigger something that rejuvenates you something that makes you happy but my happiness is driven by my my drive to make an impact to make a difference and uh, not just here, I make a difference at home. I open pipe bone water for my people in the village. I went home because I, I, I realized they are, in, they are suffering. I, we had to ameliorate their pain, do whatever we can do to support our people back home. So whatever you are doing, what has thrived, what has made me what I am today is that driver. I want to make a difference in the earth, even if it's changing one person's life. And the hand that gives is always on top. Don't always receive dollars give and you shall receive receive wow very good and wise words to conclude us with yes i really love what you said about finding your purpose through serving others i think um a lot of us don't really tend to remember that there's no way you can help others without helping yourself and i'm big on volunteering i'm, I'm big on giving back so hope this serves as a reminder it's probably to those that are new in um spaces where they weren't born into take for example uh, for those coming to the U.S. for the first time or other countries, find ways to, you know, get involved in your community. And usually one of those best ways is to volunteer. Um, Dr. Anyacho, thank you so much for your time. Um, I really, you know, enjoyed talking with you today, learning more about your passion for knowledge and transformational thinking. And um, hopefully we can bring you back on the show again to maybe talk more about elements of your book once I get to read it. Thank you, Sarah, for your time. Thank you so much, Mo. I appreciate it. All right. Well, guys, thank you. Um, don't forget to catch up on the episode. And I remain your host, Mosibo. Um, Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Morosible Podcast. Well, guess what? There's plenty more where that came from. So visit our website at www.mosibyl.com. That is www.mosibyl.com, where you can find hours of other binge-worthy episodes just like this one. And while you're at it, please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Podbean as it encourages other awesome people like you to listen to the podcast as well. We are now officially on Podbean. It has an app. You can catch up on missed episodes and also get a notification when we have new episodes. Do you have a question for our guest, feedback on the episode, or a suggestion for a future guest? Then please get in touch with us by sending us an email at talktomo at mostable.com or connect with us via Instagram at the Moral Civil Podcast. Cannot wait to hear from you and thank you so much for always listening. Mm-hmm.